Hey, I want to welcome you to our online worship experience here at New Life. And a couple things I know you heard at the very beginning, uh, the different ways that you can connect. Don't forget all those resources are down below. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that'll send you notifications when a new video comes up. And we'd love to have you participate and be a part of this uh, every single week. You know, before we jump into this message, I'm going to ask you just to pray with me. Uh, this has been a crazy season since the beginning of the year, right? So many people I know have tested positive for COVID. You may be watching this at home because you've tested positive. And I know we thought we were done with this a long time ago, but it still keeps coming back. And it can just feel like, like this never-ending weight. And so we just want to pray for God's grace, not just over this, but over all that's happening in our culture and our community, that we would just sense God's provision and that, that he's, he's got us. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that we can come to you when things are really good and when things are so hard. And Lord, I pray for all those that are battling health issues right now, whether it's COVID or something else or a flu or a cold. God, we just pray for your touch and your healing. Pray, Lord, that you would come alongside them and restore health completely. Lord, for all that's going on politically, everything that's happening throughout our culture that can sometimes feel like, like we're being torn in two, like there's so much tension. I pray, Lord, that we would come to you, the one who is still on the throne, the one who's got us, the one who never lets us go, and we can find hope and we can find all we need in you. So, Lord, as we dive into this today, I pray, Lord, that you would direct us. And, Lord, we would have more than a history lesson and more than just uh, religious platitudes, but, Lord, we would have an invitation today from you to connect with your heart. So we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, if you have our note-taking sheet and you can find it in the resources there, I want you to get that out. And uh, I would love for you to also get a Bible out and turn to Romans chapter 7. Because this weekend is week two of a series that we started called The Time Is Now. And last week we introduced uh, this series by talking about, about this kind of urgency of, of the moment. To, to not delay, to not to wait, but to step in right now and to know and experience God. We talked about how we serve a God of purpose. And because he's a God of purpose and design, this means that we as his creation, we have a purpose and reason as well. Think about this. God intricately and intimately designed each one of us exactly the way we are, not just so that we can exists as humanoids on the planet, but he designed us for a relationship with him. And even in the midst of struggles and challenges and pain and hurt and suffering, God has a hope and a future for you and for me as well. In fact, in the middle of, of all of these things that we go through, God is shaping us, molding us, and refining us. And what we sometimes experience in these seasons that are hard and challenging uh, God, God can use those things as a time to grow us and develop us for a hope and a future, for his kingdom. In the book of James chapter 1, and you don't need to turn there, but the very beginning, James writes this. He says, count it all joy. And then he goes on to say, when we face challenges and tribulations of all kinds. And when you first read that, you're like, whoa, time out. Like, count it joy? When everything's going sideways, when I'm facing challenges and circumstances. And, and James, if he could sit across the table from you with a cup of coffee, he would say, yeah, 
you count it joy. Not, not for the challenges, not yay, I got a hard diagnosis or, or yay, I, you know, I lost my job. It, it's not joy because of those things. It's joy in those challenges, knowing that God is taking each one of those things and he's accomplishing something more, something deeper, something stronger, something lasting in each one of us. Now, last week as we kicked this off, we also talked about this word prosperity, Because in Jeremiah 29, uh, you know that passage where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And, And we talked about how we have to be careful with that because what we can do is we can tend to pull away from and even doubt God because of our definition of what prosper or prosperity means instead of understanding his definition and his heart in that. That's why it's critical for us to know this truth, that God knows me, that he has good for me, but it may not always be in my timing or in my way. And prosperity is not about material things and what I have. It's a a richness of the heart and of experience. And that's why we began this series, The Time Is Now, with this challenge to know him. And that leads us here to week two. And uh, over these next few weeks, we know that God is inviting us in close to sense his heart and his love for us, to not just know him intellectually, but in the very depths of our soul. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait on that. I, I don't want to put that off and say, eh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pursue God next year when COVID is over. By the way, don't count on that. Or I'm going to pursue him when I'm, when I'm finally done with school. Or you know, when I retire, that's when I'll really get serious about this. Can I tell you, don't wait. Don't put it off because the time is here and the time is now to take these steps. Have you ever used this, this phrase, the shoulda, I shoulda done something? You ever, you ever said that? Uh, maybe you don't say it like that. I know people who will say the woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, but Think about all the times in our lives where we kind of step into that, right? I should have taken that job. I should have finished college when I had the chance. I should have said no to that situation I found myself in. I should have held my tongue. Or maybe the opposite, I should have said something. See, we have these shouldas all through our lives. Sometimes it's what I should have done. Sometimes it's what I should not have done. A lot of times it's just really small things that are trivial that maybe we never give a second thought to. But sometimes, sometimes it's life-changing. Sometimes it's stuff we remember for years and years and years. But you know what the commonality is between all of the shouldas? It's this word regret. Regret. Whether it's something we did or didn't do, said or didn't say, we all have things in life that we regret. But the question for us today, as we kind of dive into this, is how do we move through that? You know, regret can can be like a, uh, almost like a, a 
we're tied down, we're staked down. We've got, we've got one foot that won't let us move any further. And we keep trying to take the next step, but, but regret keeps holding us in place. It keeps pulling us back to the past. So how do we cut that cord? How, how do we find freedom to, to move through that? How do we allow God to, to navigate us through the wall of regret? Because regrets can kind of haunt us for a long time. I know there's a lot of thoughts and feelings uh, around regret that, that oftentimes will emerge out of nowhere. They'll hijack our thoughts at the most inconvenient moments in life especially when we're wanting to establish something new, right? We want to take that next step and regret keeps holding us back. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but the name of our series, the time is now. Don't put it off. Don't wait. The time is now to move beyond shame and regret. These two things, shame and regret can cripple us from having healthy connections with our family and friends. It can hinder our growth as an individual and our decision-making. Shame can taint the way we process things mentally and emotionally. But maybe even more importantly, shame and regret can keep us from really entering into the presence of God and living in the freedom and the joy of who he created us to be. And when we camp out in those places of shame and regret, We tend to shy away from God. That's even a polite way of saying it. Sometimes we just run away from God because we feel unworthy. We feel insignificant. We just feel that we can never measure up. We'll never be good enough. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. You know, you can look all through the Bible and see real people who ran from their own situations of shame and regret that were based in their sin, Adam and Eve, Moses, David, Peter, and there's so many more all through scripture. But for today, I wanna spend a moment to look at how we take that next step and to trust God's invitation and his heart for us to actually find healing in this. Because just in case you're unaware, if you've ever tried to, to do this on your own, you usually end up right back where you started, maybe even a little further back. Because the problem is, is that we keep trying. And I know that sounds really great. Believe me, I know. Because for years and years, I've tried, you know, with, with different arenas in my life. And we try and we try and we try. But here's the deal. God's inviting us to train with him. To condition our hearts and souls to walk in new ways. And we can't do that on our own. We need him. And the time is now to take a new step to fully surrender ourselves to the one who is our strength and our supply. Our good, good father is inviting us to walk with him, to train our hearts, to train our our souls in righteousness, as Paul writes. That's what we want to do. So here's how it works. And, And you know this, we're constantly in this battle between this, the Bible calls it our flesh, but it's, it's that kind of natural part of us, that selfish, egotistical part of us that wants what we want. And, and so it's the battle between that and our spirit, which desires to be united and connected with God. And so in this tension between the flesh that comes from this broken and sinful world that we live in and the spirit, which wants more of God, like how do we navigate through that? Even the Apostle Paul said that a lot of times he knows what's best 
but he struggles to do it, right? So here's what it says in Romans 7. If you turn there in your Bible, we're going to start at verse 15. Paul says this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Now, he goes back and forth a lot of times in that passage. But my guess is, is that somewhere deep inside you, you resonate with that and say, man, that's me sometimes too. This, this battle that's going, that's going on in my heart. Now, the reason I wanted us to see that passage is because just like the Apostle Paul, we have decisions to make. Now, again, this is part of this training that God wants us to do to, to move towards him and to his heart and in his righteousness. But every single day is a decision to make, a wrestling match in these competing desires, good or bad. Sometimes we choose wisely and sometimes we choose foolishly and there are consequences in the choices that we make. I've talked with so many people who have said that even though they know in their head that even through poor decisions, even through the sin that they've engaged in, they know up here that God has forgiven them. But it's reconciling it in their heart that is the challenge. And so they keep trying to make better decisions moving forward. And they end up in this place of regret, we all have, wondering how our life would look if we could go back and do things differently. We're not reestablishing and we're not connecting with what God wants to do today. We keep looking over our shoulder thinking, I wish I could go back. Deep regret. I have some of those too. Things I've done, situations I wish I could have handled differently, things with my kids that I wish I could go and kind of had a, have a, a mulligan for, a, a redo. It's all regret. So what do I do? Well, before we jump in, we just have a couple blanks for you today. But what is regret? Right? I mean, first of all, know that regret is a battle of the mind. It's a battle over our thoughts. It's about something back there. And it could be something that happened, you know, uh, yesterday or this morning or months ago or years ago but it's this process we go through. In fact, here's the definition. To feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a loss or a missed opportunity. Let me give it to you again. To feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a loss or a miss, something like that. Now, you have a list of things that you already know that you feel regret over. I have a list of things in my life that I, I have deep regrets for. It could be around relationships, marriage, finances, poor decisions around your health, things you knew better. And if you could kind of rewind the clock, you would do a different, you'd take a different path. Maybe your attitude, opportunities, thought process, 
how you learn to cope with hurt that's maybe led to some less than healthy decisions, maybe some addictions in your life. But all too often we let those decisions, we let those regrets define us, imprison us, and hold us. But here's what we're going to see today. That God wants to set you free. That those decisions don't define you. That God has a different identity and definition for you. We serve a king and a savior who is kinder and mightier than any regret. Our heavenly father is bigger than any situation we've ever had to suffer through because of a a decision that we've made or a missed opportunity that's passed us by. So let's take a moment and let's dive in and see how we can move beyond regret so that we can be part of building God's kingdom here now because the time is now. So write this down for number one. God wants me to focus on who I am, not what I've done. He wants me to focus and see and understand and realize this is not just a mental exercise. This is coming to terms with who God has designed me to be that is is tied actually to my actions, but it doesn't define me. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament is a really uh, interesting book. It's very lyrical. It's, it's, uh, it's almost poetic in its form. It was written by King Solomon, David's son. And, and he really comes around to these questions that everyone asked. Now remember, Solomon was, was considered uh, not just the wisest man, but one of the wealthiest uh, people that that had ever existed on earth. Some people say that that still today, no one surpasses the wealth that that he had. So this is a man who had everything at his fingertips, and yet he found himself at times frustrated and wondering like, like, is is this it? And really, the question that he came around was, what is really the meaning of life? Like, what is all this about and what is this for? And maybe you've asked that question. I know for me, I've asked that question before. It tends to be if I can't sleep in the middle of the night, right? Is this what life is all about? It comes in those moments. You usually don't ask that question in the busyness of a day when you're, you're working or you're, you know, pursuing a hobby or you're at the gym or, you know, whatever. It's those moments in the middle of the night and you go, what is life really all about? And here's what King Solomon wrote about looking back regret. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says, even so, I've noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life that God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, that is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life they take no time to brood over the past. That last little phrase, that's regret. Brooding over the past. Now, what's Solomon really talking about here? He's actually talking about finding fulfillment and satisfaction. And here's the wealthiest guy in the world basically telling us, you're not going to find it in stuff. You're going to find it in something different. You're going to find it in this place of connecting with God and living in the provision that he has made for you and me. Now, even Solomon had decisions 
that were bad <laughs> that he made. Just like you and I are going to make bad decisions. We're going to make mistakes that lead us to places of insecurity and shame. There are going to be things in our life where we say, ah, if I could just rewind that one more time. But in most cases, we can't do that. We can never truly go back. Sometimes we can kind of have, have a, a retake or a redo. Someone will graciously allow us to do that. But those are so small. But God doesn't want us to be held hostage in those things. Remember last week we discussed our identity in Christ. And here's the reality. The enemy wants to keep our minds distracted from our true identity as sons and daughters of God. Our, our enemy doesn't want us to believe that, that we belong to Jesus that he has invited us to come close, that we're forgiven of our sin, we're forgiven of the mistakes of the past because of his sacrifice for us. And we no longer have to live by, by a set of, you know, religious hoops we have to jump through. That's not what defines us anymore. But instead, we get to live in grace and in freedom. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul wrote this, God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. That leaves us with no regrets, but the sorrow of the world works death. Did you catch this? Paul's actually giving us kind of two types of regret, two types of struggling with the past, right? He said that when we have remorse, which is a kind of regret. We have remorse over our sin. That's an actually good thing because what it does is it allows us to move to a place of repentance and surrender. Now, if you've been around New Life at all, we've talked about repentance before. So let me give you just a kind of a quick summary. Repentance is not a person holding a sign saying turn or burn type of things. We've seen kind of the negative side of that. Repentance literally means to stop where we're going to turn around and go in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. So when we were going our own way, doing our own thing, caught up in our own sin and shame and all these things, regret that we've been talking about, uh, sometimes we keep going down that same road thinking, ah, I want to get rid of this stuff. I want to get rid of this stuff. But we, we're still heading that way. Paul says, when we come to realize that deep remorse, that thing of, oh, my sin has wounded the heart of God. This is not what I want. This is not how I want to live. Repentance turns around and says, Jesus, I'm going to go towards you. And in that, we leave the past behind because he's already paid for it. He's already brought forgiveness. He's already applied his grace. And we move towards him. But the second part is that Paul says the sorrow or the regret of the world works death. That's the regret that we battle inside of our thoughts. That's the type of regret that the enemy wants to use against us to say, you can't be loved by God. You think he's going to love someone like you? You think you can just like pray a prayer and then just follow after Jesus and he's going to accept you? Look at what you've done. Look at your past you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. I'm not sure God can forgive someone like you. Have you ever had those thoughts rattle around in your head? That's what the enemy wants you to believe. 
I'm just not good enough. Well, here's the truth. I'm not good enough. And I can't be good enough. But God didn't ask me to be good enough. He asked me to trust in the goodness of his son. That I put my faith and trust in the one who was good enough. And he went to the cross and he paid the price for me. And because of that relationship, he allows me to enter in and in Christ to be enough. So we don't have to walk in regret that fears punishment or or fears an, an angry God who's condemning us, but we can experience God for who he really is, a God who is just and gracious. First John 1 says this, but if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Write this down for number two. God's grace is greater than my regret. So I want to relay a story to you um, that you're probably familiar with when Jesus was uh, betrayed. And on that night, there were two characters who both had to find a way through their regret, Peter and Judas. Now, both of them owned up to their regret. Both of them were incredibly sorrowful for what they had done, but only one pursued grace. Most of you know the story of Peter, and I actually spent some time last year in a message on shame, looking at the power and the impact of Peter's repentance. But we don't read the same thing about Judas. You remember in that story, he's in the courtyard, and they come and they say, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And and no, 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 I wasn't with Jesus. And it happened three times. And, you know, remember the, the rooster crowed and it said that, that Peter went out and he, in that denial of Jesus, says he, he wept bitterly. He was overcome by guilt and shame and regret. And if you really look at that scene, you see the reality of Peter leaving the courtyard to, to, to weep and to, to mourn over that it was a picture actually of his separation from the moment. To, to step away from that situation and mourn deeply for the forgiveness of this sin and betrayal. It was the beginning of a journey to live in freedom. Judas, on the other hand, decided to embark on a different journey. After selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, he didn't come back to Jesus. He didn't go to the Father. He went into the Pharisees and tried to give the money back. He was trying to fix this trying to somehow overcome the past. And in Matthew 24, you see Judas going to the Pharisees saying, look, I've sinned, I've betrayed an innocent man. And you know what they said back to him? Remember, these are the religious men of the day. Matthew recorded them as saying, what do we care? That's your problem. That's on you. So Judas threw the money at them, went away. And if you know how it ends, he took his own life overwhelmed by guilt and shame and regret. Two men, handpicked by Jesus himself to follow him, both made mistakes, both suffered consequences, both had a decision to make because of that consequence. To repent and to find reconciliation with God over the sin or to keep trying and trying to fix myself and my past. 
Both would have gone back to undo their mistakes if they could have. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way for you or me either. But grace is bigger than regret. Maybe you did something you promised yourself that you would never do. You can't undo it now. Maybe you did it more than once. Maybe you've lost track of how many times you've stepped across that line. Now it feels like a few days, a few hours, or a few minutes, maybe even a few seconds will define the rest of your life. But our God has an identity and a new definition of who you are. And he wants to accomplish that in you. But as we come to a close, I want to just name a couple things. We try a lot of different ways to move past this on our own. We we try to rationalize it, right? We try to convince ourselves that it's really not that bad, that it's really okay. Or we try to justify it. Well, it's not my fault. If they hadn't have done that or they hadn't have done that. Or we try to compare, right? Well, I know it was wrong, but at least it's not as bad as that person. Or we try to distract ourselves. We keep ourselves so busy and so dialed in, we don't really have to think about it or walk through it. Or the one I think that captures all of us at one time or another is just to escape it. And we'll do that through habits or addictions. We'll do that through countless ways sports and TV and hobbies and social media. We just, we just try to escape it and not think about it. What do you use to try to get through regret? How do you process through remorse? See, Peter was able to move past this by coming to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to go and read the encounter that Peter had with Jesus. It's in John 21. This is after Christ had risen from the dead and the conversation they have on on the beach of this lake between the two of them is so powerful. And it's this scene of how you and I can experience true freedom from our own mistakes. How we can move past guilt and shame and, and regret. And what you're gonna see in this conversation is honesty, There's no whitewashing it. There's no kind of, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. It's fully owning up to it. And yet what Peter found in that was a savior who absolutely loved him, who had the best for him. What he found was grace. What he found was mercy over and over and over again. Listen, you don't have to be imprisoned by your regrets anymore. Grace has the power to redeem your regret. And the time is now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the hope that you give us. Because Lord, I know that there are people watching this video right now and they feel stuck. They feel tied down. They feel imprisoned. Like they just can't move past. They can't move past the past. And the regret and the shame just seems overwhelming. Lord, I pray today they'd begin to realize who you are, a God of mercy and kindness and truth and justice and a father who is for us. And Lord, we'd be able to see who you've made us to be and our identity. That it's not by trying harder, it's by trusting and training in righteousness that we find life and freedom. It's by coming to you. So Lord, I pray today that each person listening, each person watching, would find freedom in you.
We thank you. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Let me leave you with this from Philippians 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing. He says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Forget the past, take hold of him. Hey, God bless you. As you move out into the this coming week, as you go to work or school or whatever you have, my prayer is that you would be blessed and you would be a blessing wherever you go.